Welcome back to Podside, everyone. This is, of course, Carlo, and uh, I am, of course, accompanied by the usual crew. Uh, hello, crew. How are you? Hey, Carlo. Hey, Chris. Hey, Carlo. <laughs> uh, that's hi, Pete. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Carlo. Oh, it's Pete again. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, Kurt. What's up? I, I, I'm uh, I, I'm flying under the flag of uh, the analeptic Alzabo tonight. Oh, okay. <laughs> nice little. <laughs> well, so, some people take edibles. Some people uh, take uh, some Ritalin. Some people some edible people takes. Take. <laughs> so, uh, so in uh, other yes. words, you drank some gland juice and then gnawed on my leg. Thank you. That's that's <clears> great. <throat> Well, you know, uh, some people do what they need to do, Pete. I'm sorry. It's a, it's a Saturday night, so that makes it all right. <laughs> um, so uh, in any case, we're back again for another uh, episode of our read-along, our year of the new sun. Today we'll be uh, basically going over the Claw of the Conciliator, chapters VI through X. Bum, bum, bum. Six through ten for those of the, those of us who aren't following the Roman numerology, I suppose. Um, so um, I suppose we should probably get started. So uh, d- does anybody want to sort of give us like the the, the five line summary of this? Uh, you know, like. Uh, I actually I, I actually ginned that up in our discussion. If, I, if you don't mind me digging it up here. Go for it. Um, oh, that's my discussion with Kurt. I'm not summarizing that. <laughs> okay, glowing monkey warriors catching up with Agia, a nice little dinner where underwater statue gods are discussed, getting kidnapped, hanging with Vodalus, and oh, you're about to eat this girl you have the hots for and get her memories. <laughs> That's about sums it up. All right. Thanks, Pete. <laughs> thanks, Pete. <laughs> see, right. you, see you next week, everybody. <laughs> now, now back to you. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. Oh, so, uh, I didn't get that last one. I was puzzling over that. I understand now. Yeah. Oh, the, I see. You, you didn't get the, the, the hint about the feast? No, I didn't. I, I mean, I, I understood that someone was going to get eaten for their memories, but I, I didn't, I didn't gather whom. Mm, bum, bum, bum. Yeah, well, Surprising. I mean, it would, it would really be cooler if they did like a, I don't know, like a round robin or a spin the bottle cannibalism thing here. <laughs> <laughs> so, so listen, like <clears throat> the, the uh, shadow and and now claw. There, there's been some like weird stuff going on and like slowly building up weirder and weirder. Uh, but this group of chapters, like Pete pointed out, um, that this is like the the most concentrated weirdness that we've come across so far. <laughs> I, I'm inclined to agree. It's a, it's a candy sample. I, I don't disagree. Uh, I do think that the, um, like chapter six, the, the blue light one, uh, I think really is trying to evoke like the sort of source and sor- uh, sword and sorcery yes. type stuff. It was yes. very Conan-esque type I, of thing, right? I wanted was to my ask notes. about that because I, yeah, one thing I thought of was, was Conan and I was just waiting for him to get to the end of his very intelligent apes discussion and go, oh, and by the way, they're black people. And I'm so proud of him. It's the first sword and sorcery I've read where they did not do that shit. Like five <laughs> well, stars. To, well, to ar- arguably they did, though. Arguably they did, um, because mm-hmm. I, I mean the the 
There are two issues with the degenerated race in Sword and Sorcery. One is what you just said, where they're like, oh, by the way, they're black people. The the other the, the other issue is the idea, the eugenic idea of the degenerated race, yes. which it still has. So it, it's mm-hmm. it's not that it's like, uh oh, it's it's not that it's like it's a stand-in for this particular race that we're being racist towards, but it is still uh, you know, a a fairly like it's it's a little different because it's the future, but it is still in in it it, it is still kind of cut from the same cloth. Okay, I'm going to drag us in a direction, and anybody can drag me back at any time. Okay, like when I read this, I thought it was a cross between Conan style sword and sorcery, and kind of the the H.G. Wells mm, uh, yeah. future it's race Morlocks. Thing. Yeah, 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 yes. yeah. Definitely, it's it's yeah. definitely that. But but I I think it's. It's definitely those H.G. Wells concepts. And mm-hmm. I mean, certainly, you know, that that's how that story ends is kind of, you know, as it goes further and further into the future, you know, civilization has collapsed. First, it stratifies, you know, into people who very much kind of resemble exaltants, but maybe mm-hmm. a little bit. A little bit more pacifist. They're, you know, they, 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 they've just become solely dedicated to being, you know, the, the idle upper class and then, you know, degenerate underground monster people. Um, but it really is also told from, from that, that Conan point of view. It's like if instead of, uh, the time machine protagonist being, you know, a a slightly kind of foppish, wild-eyed scientist, if it was Conan. (laughs) He was like, oh, Morlocks. I know what to do about Morlocks. (laughs) Conan, the time-traveling barbarian. But but to to that point, though, I... I'm very much where Carlo is, where this was very familiar territory to me, and I got so jazzed up reading these because, yeah, it's a it's a it's a bunch of chapters of a Conan story and a very good one at that. Mm. Man, his prose when he's in that sword and sorcery mode is crackling. Like it's really well done when he's like fighting, you know, the apes before all my apes gone um under the <laughs> ground it's so it's so well done mm-hmm. and it's so over the top that like it also even doubles as you get the the impression that severian is really building himself up <laughs> you know he's yeah. like i was swinging wildly with my sword in great circles cleaving them in twain so, <laughs> yep yeah yeah so um l- let me let me because i have a couple quotes here i mean from that chapter in and of itself i mean that chapter has a bunch of notes on my part um but like for instance one of the first things that uh, that i remember uh that that i noted here is that uh like on pay like basically right near the beginning um <laughs> he, he he sort of frames things uh in a certain way and this seems to be future severian who's chronicling this you know writing it down um rather than present you know the the the, the present day severian that's in the story uh and he says then i did something that you reading this record will find foolish indeed though you must recall that i've been told that such guards as might be in the mine had been warned of my arrival and instructed to do me no harm I called Thecla's name, and the an- the echoes answered, Thecla, Thecla, Thecla. And I do want to point out here, uh, I-, I know that I may have mentioned it before, perhaps in in passing, 
But uh, this is uh, the note that I have here is that Wolf uh, loves to do this type of thing where he seems to be pointing to the importance of Thecla's actual name, mm. uh, like Thecla's importance to Severian, but that also her name uh, in if pronounced in certain ways is actually identical to saying the claw. Oh, which, which also in perfect Wolfian irony turns out to be what saves Severian at the end. <laughs> Man. <laughs> okay, in, well, that, in that something. <laughs> I've got one thing to say to that. <laughs> which, which a drink and Pete. Oh God, you don't want to know, dude. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> uh, Can the, I went to to my my go to liquor store, and the recent rains had flooded it out, so it was closed. So I, I in desperation, went to a gas station. I am drinking Budweiser. Oh no! Mm. Well, I mean, it is the king of beers, I hear. Perhaps mm. even the autark of beers. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's uh, hot, you know. <laughs> oh God! Why, Pete? You didn't need to add that last part, man. No, no, no! Uh, the I, weather, the weather is hot. Oh, oh, okay. the beer is cold. I was going to say, Jesus insane. Christ! She's <laughs> <laughs> like, you don't need to do penance, man. Oh, that's this is like like an English redneck would drink warm Budweiser. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am drinking uh, none other uh, something for the occasion, none other than Brewer's Arts Resurrection. Nice, Ooh, nice. Uh, it, I'm drinking Life Coach uh, by Conshohocken Brewing Company, a local, a local, a local beer. Excellent. Um, I I have two uh, two s- passages that I would like to read, if I may. They're short. Go for it. Um, yeah. And, and and one of them is not from this book, and one of them is. Uh, I will do the one from this book first, which is very near to what you just read. Um, at the seventh, they came for me. Twenty at least, and from all sides. There was no time for clean strokes through the neck. I swung my blade in circles, and its singing filled the underground world and echoed from the stony walls and ceiling, audible over the bellowing and the screams. And of course, that's what he's, you know, whirling around, chopping, chopping up uh, the 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 man the man apes. Um, and the other one I have here. As he sprang from the wall, his axe dropped an outlaw with a severed shoulder, and the terrible backhand return crushed the skull of another. Swords whined venomously about him, but death passed him by breathless margins. The Sumerian <laughs> moved in, a blur of blinding speed. He was like a tiger among baboons as he leapt, sidestepped and spun, offering an ever-moving target, while his axe wove a shining wheel of death about him. Which is Conan from The Phoenix on the Sword. Um, nice. And to me, that writing style is exactly the same. It's mm-hmm. it's like that could be and and may well be like literally like like a pastiche of that style. I really wouldn't be surprised if he was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to write some sword and sorcery. Let's do this. He's shit. certainly like he had access to the material. It just makes oh, yeah. sense. It's yeah, it's yeah. so beautiful. It's 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 beautifully done, and it doesn't ring as pastiche. Like it fits, it fits in so well, and it's built in like like the the whole the whole setup of like descending. You know, un- un- unsuspectingly into the underground temple world, where you know these man apes have been have been mining secret metals in the dark, is like it's just it's it's perfect. Chef's kiss. Come well, on. and as somebody who who has read through like the collected works of Howard, uh, that makes it sound like it's an amazing accomplishment. But my point <laughs> is, um, he pastiches himself all the time. There's no oh, reason yeah. other people can't. Yeah. Oh yeah. 
Well, that was the life of a pulp writer, I would, I would imagine. Oh um, yeah. So like, so here's paid by the word. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, so I'm. Um, it's interesting that um, the the trope of the you know the the degenerated race though still actually you know continues. Uh, I, I, this this uh, reading this passage sprung to mind. Um, Bone Tomahawk. I don't know if you guys have seen that movie. Uh, it's a S. Craig Zoller film from a couple years ago. It's like a western. Um, and it's about like uh, this like they basically call them troglodytes that live in these caves and they've captured some people. Uh, but it's kind of like this weird um and it is also uh you know problematic as if if we could take the the original term of it uh in that like you know it there's a lot of conversation around the film about it depicting uh you know native americans as this you know bloodthirsty savage primitive culture which and and, you know the movie does depict native americans being separate and apart from this tribe of troglodytes, but this is only from this movie is only from you know a couple years ago. So it's it's this like you know this is this is a trope that comes up frequently. It's it's not something that's you know in the past. It it is so foundational to fantasy and science fiction as a genre um, that I I don't think I don't think we will ever be rid of it. And I don't know that that's necessarily like like a bad thing necessarily. Like I I don't think that there is something genetically bad about it. Um, but it is certainly one of those things that its origins are, are, you know, not, not good. Um, but, but it is, I mean, it it is one of those things that is so found, like, like arguably one of the first works of modern fantasy is this novel called she, a history of adventure by Haggard. Um, and, mm-hmm. and that's basically about, you know, an, an explorer journeying, journeying to the heart of Africa. And, and he finds this like degenerate race ruled over, uh, by like, like an ancient Greek sorceress, I, 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 I believe it is. And that, that like spawned that, that whole like, you know, King Solomon's mind type fantasy adventure pulp, which, which, you know, intertwines with other things and eventually kind of comes out through Tolkien and it's like it's it's just there it's I don't think it ever is going to to go away any more than like you know laser laser blasters are going to go away at this point well so oh I'm sorry go ahead okay well I I'm gonna say I'm gonna say something that that may piss people off so it and I'm not defending cut his mic cut his mic cut his mic yeah (laughs) oh no (laughs) um the the problem is colonialism is interesting. Like one of the things about um, like uh, most science fiction is the idea is you can travel quickly and go to a new and interesting place. You can explore mm-hmm. new things. You can reengage with a new culture. And colonialism, if you're not going to travel eight light years, is one of the few ways you can really do that in a crisp manner. It's also horrible. I, I mean, yeah, like, th- and also, you know, the the problem of colonialism is not getting in a boat and going to another place. Oh. <laughs> the problem is what you do when you get there. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's true. So I, I did want to point out that that we, we may, I, I don't know, because this is one of these things that um, Wolf always loves, seems to love, uh, as far as I'm seeing here, to sort of give you an image 
and then sort of place another image in proximity to it for you to make connections. And he doesn't ever really spell anything out. Very rarely uh, does he do anything of the sort. So, I mean, uh, apart from the the, the passage that you uh, mentioned, Kurt, I did want to mention the um, prior to that one before <laughs> Severian starts laying waste to the bored apes. Um, <laughs> um, so... Th- he says uh, this is still when he's sort of coming into the, the mines and he's sort of lost his way a little bit. And he says, for a moment, I wondered at these pillars and I looked at the star shapes again. And for the first time I saw them, have you ever toiled by night, but toward what seemed a cottage window and found it to be the bale fire of a great fortress all the time, Severian, all the time (laughs) or climbing slipped and caught yourself and looked below and seen the fall a hundred times greater than you had believed. Literally just this morning. (laughs) If you have, you will have some notion of what I felt. The stars were not sparks of light, but shapes like men small only because the cavern in which I stood was more vast than I had ever conceived that such a place could be. And the men who seemed not men being thicker of shoulder and more twisted than men were rushing toward me. The roar I heard was the sound of their voices. So, okay. Um, apart from, you know, the, the, the Conan inspiration here that, that we're getting, uh, and and getting some hints that the mine might might not actually be sort of like a rustic fantasy mine full of dwarves or goblins or what have you, uh, because there is a to either side were massive whose angular size suggested that we were that they were worse of men. Uh, mm-hmm. It seemed I walked in the buried city. Uh, Kurt, here as an aside, here I I thought a lot about the underground cities in Elden Ring. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, uh, so in any case, uh, I did want to mention, this is the third time. If we count the story about the cre- the creatures imprisoned inside Nessus's walls, mm. that Wolf infers that creatures deprived of the light of the sun transform into something more sinister because we get mother Pyrexia and Barnuck both entombed in the darkness of their houses by mm. the mob. And if the stories to be believed, they become monstrous. Uh, Barnock specifically is described as a ghost. Uh, Barnock had been tall. He was tall still, but stooped and very thin with skin. So pale, it seemed to glow as decayed wood does. And mm. again, the decayed wood thing is really interesting because it brings to mind Foxfire. Mm-hmm. Also called fairy fire. And in a little joke that apparently Gene left us, chimpanzee fire. Mm-mm. <laughs> it also brings to mind uh, uh pete all my uh, apes are glowing <laughs> well you know it also brings to mind pete uh the slow mutants from the gunslinger yes absolutely absolutely or even mm. even the uh the green glow of the tommyknockers mm, uh, true yeah that yeah. too yeah so um as as you guys i, I don't know why i'm i'm prefacing to defend myself when nobody's ever going to fucking attack me on this thing. But like, I, I definitely come at these books, uh, just trying to enjoy them. Like they're the, it's, it's very easy to approach, uh, the new sun, like you would, um, a, a term paper. And ultimately I think that is a mistake. Like mm. what, what, what's desirable about these is they're complex, interesting, and fun. And I'm like, 
I, 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 I don't, I don't think that sort of pursuit is good for me. But one of the things I'm definitely noticing here is like what you're talking about ties back to the idea of the new sun. It's like when they talk about the sun here, they're talking about, they're talking about death and ending. And periodically, when we're talking about our our good boy Severian, they talk about him in terms of renewal. For mm-hmm. example, him being the anti-headsman. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh yeah. The and busman. So I'm sort of thinking. <laughs> I I'm sort of thinking like like he could be the new son at this point. Mm. Well, you know, Pete, what, you might be onto something. I don't know. What What if uh, the real son were the friends you met upon the way? <laughs> uh, so Pete, I, I just want to say I am entirely with you um, about how I read these books. I, I, I don't really give much thought to deeper meanings. Um, I'm, I'm constantly perplexed and amazed by the, the subtext that uh, Chris and Carlo are are turning up because I read these in a very naive way. I read most fiction in a very naive <laughs> way. I try to put the, the machinations of the author entirely out of mind when i read like i don't when i'm when i'm eating a piece of fish i don't worry about how the you know how the chef prepared it i'm just trying to enjoy the fish uh yeah. to, to deeply paraphrase tolkien and um and hmm. and so while i get a lot of joy from picking it apart after afterwards and and sometimes you know i do make those connections like they are, they they arise unbidden in my mind, as Severian might say. Sure. Uh, I in in general, because well, you never like, forget anything. Ex- yes, exactly. I, I never forget. <laughs> I'm cursed by it. I'm, I, I, it oppresses me. The weight you're, of memory oppresses yes. my brain. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, I, it's wild because Kurt, you just you just admitted to eyes full, brain empty. So yeah. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I mean, I in in the Gundam Wow Cool Robot meme, I am I am perpetually Wow Cool Robot. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> So, which brings us to Jonas. No, <laughs> well, no, go ahead. Well, just real quick, the, the um, talking about Severian's, like you know, his being oppressed with memory, he doesn't forget anything. He sure often forgets that he has the claw because every once in a while he's like, "Oh yeah, this gem fell out of my boot," and all of a sudden starts glowing and like shit. He I, almost well, left the sword. Yeah. <laughs> well, don't. I mean, there, there is uh, a, a Chris. It's funny you mention that because there is a little bit of a. a I hate to use the the phrase, but it, it is a bit of a lampshade. Uh, uh, later on in this series of of uh, chapters, where he's he's basically talking about exactly that. He's like, "Oh yeah, you you may think that just because I say that I can recall anything, uh, that that means that I'll, I'll tell you everything mm-hmm. uh, that you want to hear." And it's yes. like, nah. Sometimes you know, I, I you know, I'm, I'm basically if if he's drunk or he's asleep or he's passed out. Uh, but also he says, but it's really a curse because sometimes I'm so deep in a memory that i am it's like i am there <laughs> and, and then he gets so fucking funny. chapter then he, he gets, gets fucking horny. Captured. he gets too horny he gets too horny he's fucking <laughs> and, they, and then they capture him and they're like he's asleep no his eyes are awake and you're like what the fuck is going on <laughs> it's so funny it's such a great uh it really uh puts uh, a, a, a really underlines the fact that Wolf is trying to go for an effect here, and and it it feels very sort of like a a, a Borges touch, you know, that he's going for, mm. where it's like, yes, I remember everything, 
In fact, I'm remembering, oh, this delicious meal I just had. Oh my God, I'm eating it right now. And and he's you know, like, oh, wait, where's my wallet? I've just been mugged. <laughs> so anyway, uh, let, 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 let's perhaps reel it back uh, because yeah. then, go ahead. Oh, well, I mean, I, there's something I was thinking about reeling it back to, mm-hmm. which is Jonas. Mm-hmm. Because, like, we're introduced to him as as the the green man, like, possibly from another planet, if I'm not mistaken. No, no, no. He's he's completely different. Okay. The green well, man is, he meets him in the in the tent, and he's, like, basically a, a sideshow. Jonas was in uh, the last chapter, basically, of Shadow of the Torturer. <laughs> One of the theater dudes. Uh, he's uh, no, no, he's, he's literally joined, just no. walking beside them at just the wall. Just a rando. And, yeah. Oh, yeah. Christ. <laughs> yeah. Okay. He's well, like, I lost my way on that. And, and um, I think I think they they ask him so like so what's up with this wall? And he all of a sudden is like ah millions of years ago the what and like launches into this huge like poetic story from what I recall. Okay, well, yeah, he's he, also like, don't ask one, me any more questions. That, yeah, he he's he's the one that tells him the um. The story about how the uh, the the weird creatures that they see inside the wall uh, were were placed in there to perhaps uh, protect the Nessus from outside invaders or whatever. He's uh, well, this he's, he's like an RPG NPC who delivers like paragraph <laughs> after paragraph of like backstory. It's like he's just like like the one person in the bar who's like interactable, and it's like, oh, hello, we- weary traveler. Oh, you'd like to know the history of this city. Let, well, let's begin the cutscene. Yeah, or, or or I'm just sitting there pressing X, going through his like text, like his wall of text. <laughs> oh, yeah. God, go, go get on with it, dude. Well, the thing I is, like, quest. At, at this point, he might as well be the green guy man because who the fuck is this guy? Like, <laughs> I, I would, I, assume I would he's say, a spacefaring like yes. merchant seaman type guy. Well, he's a, he's a, or a captain at the <laughs> very <laughs> least. <Sorry>. Uh, <laughs> Uh, at the very least, he is a cyborg, um, mm. because he has that steel hand, right? Oh, that's right. He does have the steel hand. Oh, yes, that was from uh, End of Shadow, right? Uh, no, it's mentioned a couple times here as well. Is uh, I think that there's a line like when they, <laughs> when they discover that the U word that they thought was filled with water is actually filled with wine. There's a there's a point where his his steel hand clinked against the glass or whatever. Mm. You know? Uh, there's also a line here, which, um, hold on, let me, it might be in a, in another, oh, here it is. Yes. So, um, uh, actually at the end of, uh, the, the, the man apes chapter, the blue light, uh, he makes a surprise. <laughs> I, love the man apes. I love, by the way, uh, I'm really sorry to interrupt, but <laughs> I love that. I, I, I love that wolf is just like, I'm just going to come right out and call them what they are. They're man apes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. He's not even like why? they're they're uvulons or something. So he didn't use the well, yeah, yeah. like, 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 yeah, apes. They're man apes. He, he, <laughs> he wants to make sure that you know what they are, uh, as opposed to, you know, like the thiaclocenes or the whatever the fuck else, you know. Um so anyway, uh Jonas makes that surprise appearance. He's like basically the proverbial cavalry here. Uh and there's a line where uh Severian's like telling him what happened. Uh, and it says like uh, Jonas scratched his head with his steel hand, mm. a sound like the currying of a charger. <laughs> so uh, two things here, right? Um, so there is a, basically a curry comb, a metal curry comb exists to basically clean like, you know, dirt and, and sort of like shit off of a horse, you know, a, a horse's coat. 
but also given the association of charger here with galloping, I, I don't know what sound I'm supposed to be thinking about because it's also putting me in mind of like the weird sound a gallop would make. And it makes me think, well, is his head metal too? What the fuck is going on here? Hmm. You know, so the only reason that I think he's from, he's a spacefarer is because he reminds me of another spacefarer in, in another book who is out of place, which is Jan Olveg from, from Lord of Light, hmm. uh, the Roger Zelazny book, who, the, the, the former captain of the colony ship who is basically slumming it as like a random guy. And mm-hmm. when um, uh, Sam, the protagonist of that book, starts talking to him, he all of a sudden becomes very worldly and kind of worldly. And it just reminds it just as a character just reminds me. And and he speaks very frankly of like space travel mm-hmm. and stuff. So it just it just feels like like well, I, everyone yeah. else in Severian's world would be like, you know, once upon a time, man traveled the stars. And and it just seems like Jonas is like, yeah, so you know about the stars, right? And the ships that go between them. So moving right along you know but what do you think about that you know i i I don't know yeah i mean so so there is that point you're absolutely right kurt there is a point um in the next chapter where severian feels a little guilty that uh jonas seems very trusting in him uh but severian hasn't extended the same courtesy to him and he he finally breaks down and tells him about the claw right Mm-hmm. And they have a little exchange where it's uh, it's very sort of um, more or less what you're saying, Kurt. Yeah, you know, Severian says you're a strange man. Was uh, or actually, I'm sorry. Uh, this is Jonas saying uh, you're a strange man. Was all he said. You're stranger than I. You don't want people to know it, but you're a foreigner of some kind. He smiled. A cacogen, an outlander, and so again, this is. Wolf putting two phrases or or two words together so that you sort of draw a, a, mm-hmm. a meaning from it, right? Uh, because so, pathogens so come from off worlds. We right, we, they're we from understand beyond that, Earth. Yeah. They're outer space, but also not human, right? Yeah. So uh, Jonas, however, is called an outlander, uh, which for me seems to imply that he was a human being who comes from or spent much time in outer space. That's yeah. the outlander thing, and of course, Wolf is very likely depending on you to make the the mm-hmm. biblical association because what is a ship except a great big fish that travels between stars and what is jonas except someone who got eaten by a great big fish yes well i mean and then we also get the fish from father Rhaenyra's mirrors as well so mm-hmm. guys we have yeah. reached the chewy portion of the episode he has <laughs> placed his teeth on my wrist and he is indicating he needs to go to the the yard to pee <laughs> so i'm gonna let that happen and i'll be back within right. the minute okay the, okay the dog the dog ape has spoken indeed Ooh. while pete does that um mm-hmm. let me let me recount something uh trivial that amused me which I laughed out loud at, which is Severian <laughs> says something to the effect of, you may have heard it said, Jonas, and I wonder if you believe it true, that there are those among us who can read the thoughts of others. Do you believe this to be the case? And Jonas is just like, yes, of course. <laughs> of course, there's <laughs> telepaths, you idiot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's sort of funny because uh yeah that that is that is a, a very funny <laughs> funny line to me. Well uh, so so we, we we kind of glided over um something that was the most tantalizing uh tidbit from chapter 6 to me was um the like rumbling 
sounds oh, of yes. like some like you know monster god monster of the deep like stumbling to life mm-hmm. that there's was that, that was amazing in, in this. there's a lot of that yeah it, there's um later on there's basically the yeah so so there's that and it talks about um the Albaya, I think it is, is one Abaya. of them. Abaya, there's a uh, Arabus is is mentioned, and and the the implication you get is basically that there are alien, there are giant alien gods that live on Earth that that live mm-hmm. under the water and and can't come to the surface without dying, which I guess reminds me of something else from weird fiction, although I won't say. Mm-hmm. But um, I wonder who that could be. Yeah, mm-hmm. but. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, there's a lot, it's, it's very tantalizing. This, uh, the, the, the scope of the story has become both more specific and much broader very quickly, you know, mm-hmm. like very, like we, we, we've gone from like, oh, this is like a torturer going on this kind of vague adventure, learning about the world, um, to, you know, now we're thinking about like, you know, can, can an, can a man ape slay an alien space sea god? <laughs> like, I don't know. It's just. It's so cool, and the pivot is so sudden, and it just feels—I don't know—it's. It was just so exciting to read. So I'm yes, mm-hmm. that really excited me when it was talking about you know the giant footsteps under the ground. Another very Conan touch, and then pivots so ably into like you know a, a, you know more more late seventies sci-fi, a bit, a bit more comfortable with just like you know m- more traditional depictions of aliens while still making them very strange. It's just it's just really well done. Mm-hmm. So. Another thing that I wanted to to mention about like their little conversation, Jonas and Severian's conversation before they're <laughs> basically Severian like, oh yeah, Thecla, yeah, yeah. Wait, he's asleep, isn't he? <laughs> mm. uh, he get and gets captured. Um, they're they're still talking about the the man beast hybrids used by previous autarchs. Who uh, Jonas uh, likes to mention that they were they didn't call themselves autarchs at that time, which of course makes me think that you know Jonas has either been like is like a a um, has been traveling at near light speeds for a long time, or, mm. or is you know, in any case is much older than than he appears. Um, and he said uh, so. Basically, uh, Severian says. Uh, I said, but we, but we outside endure the dark each night, and the treasures carried up from the mines are brought to us. Why haven't we changed it too? Jonas did not answer, and I remembered my promise to ask him nothing more. Still, when he turned to face me, there was something in his eyes that told me I was being a fool, that we had changed. He turned away again and stared out and up once more. So... Okay, what changes have humans on Earth endured, and what do they look like then? And yeah. you know, <laughs> so I mean, th- this is truly like I, I'm. I mean, this isn't just the exultants like basically doing weird genetic experiments on themselves and and growing to be twelve feet tall or whatever. It's just like what is a what is a a standard human look like on Earth now? Yeah, yeah. Well. I mean, I sort of have this image of of Gene Wolfe as a little present to himself saying, well, people don't have earlobes and I'm just not going to mention it. <laughs> you know, like like little changes could easily happen here. I mean, they're 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 human, but like that's such a broad, you know, like look at what we call a dog in the range, you know, mm-hmm. it's it, it is funny, though, how much more explicit this stuff is getting now, now that we're in book two. Mm-hmm. Where like all throughout book one, this was present, but nobody ever came right out and said like, 
hey, these rich people are very tall. (laughs) (laughs) And now we're finally getting to where it's like, oh, Vodalus must be an exaltant. He's very tall. Uh, Now, if this were most books, as soon as like, that's the first thing that would have been said when, Mm -hmm. you know, rich people are tall. Therefore, Thecla is a rich person. Uh, but but like Wolf has held off on doing that for so long. And so it's interesting that like it seems like he's reaching a point where it's like, OK, I'm not going to give you the runaround anymore. If you have just in case you haven't by now a book in figured out that rich people are tall, you know, because rich people are mm-hmm. like kind of a different subspecies. I'm 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 just going to come right out and, and tell you that. And I'm going to have people well, just I mean- come right out and talk about like, oh, there's different planets. And, you know, there was one named after the God of War. And and like, again, that that's all in any other author's hands. That would be first book material. And instead, mm-hmm. he's like, you know what? I'm just not going to tell you. You can you can find out later. Part of me wonders about nutrition as well, but that doesn't seem to be his focus. And when you're dealing with an author. Like what he says goes. Uh, so I do want to give a quick chewy update, which is we go downstairs and across the street, what they're having is a quinceañera. Mm. And um, Chewie was like, okay, that loud girl in the dress is going down. So, um, <laughs> oh. yeah, I, I, had, I had to grab him by the scruff of the neck and get him inside so he didn't ruin a party. <laughs> well, that, that was that was as old as that girl might have gotten. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I he's such a good boy, but like, if you're on the other side of the fence, you're meat. Mm. <laughs> so, can we uh, circle back because I, I I feel like we should probably address one of the more horrible stories <laughs> that we get in this. Like, oh, this yes, is even I worse. Almost forgot about Holy this. shit, Jesus dude! Christ. It is awful. Like the the Gerlo's confiding oh, in then apprentice Severian, uh, basically cast the torturer's guild in a very specific bad light. Where he's like, "Oh yeah, you see this uh, this jar here? It's full of you know you know fill in the blanks. It's basically it's space Viagra, you know, um, <laughs> but it's a poison too. You can't take too much of it. Uh, you know, you, you can't take the the minute you take the dosage, you you honestly can't be in public uh, for too long, and also you can't take it again uh, for a month, you know." And basically, it's all about how uh, Severian's relating this idea that um, that Gerlose calls him in to tell him that there's a specific client that has that the orders have come through that she is to be abused, and that seems to be uh, you know obviously from the preface that I've already given that is a uh, yeah that's that's uh, uh, sort of a euphemism for for basically using rape as a as a form of torture uh, and then also like he's like oh yeah but also I have this just in case and he takes out like a, a giant metal dildo and it's like Ugh, what the fuck dude yeah I didn't want to hear any of this but I think it's of a of a piece to sort of like if I'm not mistaken, like there, Severian has already mentioned that, like he, he, you know, it's future Severian, uh, who has now backed into the Phoenix throne, uh, has already decided that the Torturers Guild is should be no more. So, uh, this seems to be like a a a, a very good explanation of why it should not be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and it's interesting that it comes so late in, you know, like, you know, we're in the second book now and this is, you know, obviously like, you know, they're, they're torturers and executioners and stuff like that. But this is the first like real thing where you're like, 
God damn it. Like what this, this is totally fucked up. Like, yeah. um, <laughs> yes. And, and, and this is possibly inappropriate, but, uh, master Golos essentially has steely Dan. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it's not good. It's not yeah. good. Wait, so yeah, it's go ahead, it's interesting. I was just say it, it, it casts the torturers in, uh, in a different light, but by the way, Chris, I, I I appreciated making the Steely Dan sci-fi connection because yeah, I, I, I think I most people most people probably just know about the band, um, but you're of course are referring back to uh, the the section in the in a Naked Lunch where it talks about the 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 uh, the dildo. I I, yes. I, I would assume, um, yes, <laughs> but uh, but um, yeah, it it casts the torturers in a different light where like. Severian has taken pains to depict them as this kind of like genteel profession where it's like, oh, well, you know, yes, we torture people, but there's a certain dignity in it. You know, is this we have we we take great care for our clients. And mm-hmm. as it goes on, you get the impression more and more that it's like, well, no, it just seems to be that whatever wh- whenever the uh, the autark really hates someone, these are the people that he tells to go do whatever that stuff is to them. And they're like, OK, yeah, sure. Um, and they maybe dress it up a little bit in public in this like ritualized fashion, but behind closed doors, you know, Master Gerlos is is being very gross about it. He's not he's not being ritualized like oh well you know it must be you know he's he's kind of like teasing Severian with it, like well you know you're you know she's very attractive you know being like super gross about it. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it's interesting. Of, of course, you know this gets back to the idea of Severian as the unreliable narrator. Is like you get the impression that he. Uh, there's there's this expression that I've heard and I haven't been able to source again, but I heard and I and I, and I love it that deals with cults called uh, which is milk before meat, which is basically like when, when you're getting someone to accept outlandish things, you give them less outlandish things first, you know. So like if you become a Scientologist, they're not like so. There's this guy Zenu. They 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 don't start with that. They they start with other stuff that's like a smaller leap of faith to believe and then they work up to to the space gods um and in much the same way it feels like severian is is like well i don't think they could handle the truth about about the torturers yet i don't want to lose them completely and have them really dislike and disrespect me so i'm going to leave out the worst stuff that that they do and i'll really play up the kind of like oh well they're just journeymen they're just doing a job you know and they do it with a certain degree of candor and then later he you know he's he's like oh yeah and also they you know sexually assault people on the orders of the king or you know the emperor oh, yeah. essentially oh it's like well, oh oh the germans great people very athletic oh the nightclubs are for tourists what do they do they make clocks you know that's the yeah, vibe yeah yeah. Mm, yeah yeah well i i also think that it's this seems to be like uh, a similar beat to when uh when we get the chapter where uh thecla is being led through the through the chamber right the the torture chamber and you know th- they start telling her about the other things and it, it's it's fun until then the fucking trap closes completely right mm-hmm. uh and and you realize no this is exactly what tortures are they distracted her long enough and that's you know considered amongst the torturers as severian has mentioned uh, as he also said to you know like agalus and and other people you know he 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 basically is in the business of telling uh, the clients you know comforting little lies so that when the moment comes and the axe has to fall 
that you're not really ready for it. And so you don't fear the moment that much. Right. Um, but this is different, right? It's, it's simply something, uh, like, like Kurt said, it's something very specific, very gross. And it's just like really off putting. And it's really funny because it, then it's, it's in the chapter where he's talking about like, uh, bravery, uh, like right before that, uh, he's talking about how bravery and, and like a, the difference between a coward and, uh, uh, somebody that's, co- that would be called courageous. Uh, the, the difference is only when the, the person feels afraid, right? Because the coward feels afraid beforehand. Uh, whereas the, the person called courageous feels fear afterwards. And he's basically uh, painting Gerlos as a cowardly man because he's he's basically trying to, uh, through Severian, trying to sort of like uh, almost goad himself into, yeah, I'm going to do this. See? See? I'm going to do it, and, and it's going to be great. See? I can do it. Anyway, I, hmm. I felt that I, we needed to probably <laughs> mention that because I don't want to yeah. completely glamorize. Well, uh, it, it also gets even worse. Yes. Um, if we're going to really like rub our noses in, in what's going on here, which is at the very end of it, uh, Severian says, although there was a time when uh, Master Gerlos had, you know, had to do it uh, before before the client died or there wouldn't be time mm. and at that time he didn't he didn't need the iron phallus and he didn't need the powder and it's like oh jesus like yeah wow okay yeah that really casts uh that that casts the torturers in a certain light and it casts master girlos in a certain light where it's essentially like well we need to sexually assault them before before we kill them basically you know, because yeah. otherwise that that wouldn't, and and we need to attest to it. Uh, otherwise, that you know, that 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 would be a failure. Um, well, which it's, really, it's, which really sets them up in a way as essentially the cops of this world after yeah. a fashion. Like the they they are they are. I, I I don't know that you could call this capitalist, but but they they are the they are the enforcement arm of. Mm-hmm the the economic power structure that they live in far more than just the guards are like they are the the enforcement arm of of the elite and not even just enforcement yeah. they are the the punishment arm and it's not even clear if it serves a purpose it's just like if the ruler hates you you're the ones who do the hating no matter how that right. is so right. what well, i'm I mean, hearing it, is when okay. severian takes charge he should get them in line by funding them more <laughs> yes yes refund back, you, gotta, the, you gotta you gotta back the fuligen yes um <laughs> fuligen lives matter so uh now also i i did want to point out that this isn't a, a bit ironic because this is also a couple chapters after severian says well you know i'm not going to go i'm not going to really get into you know how many times i killed people just to, just imagine that I, i've been practicing the mysteries of our guild throughout um you know I, i'm not going to go into the details of it that's sort of gross and then he brings us this and you're like well what what exact purpose, future Severian, does this serve? And I, again, I think that it serves a purpose in, like, future Severian, now the autarch, uh, you know, basically saying, yeah, the, see, that that was gross. We should shut that down. Um, uh, in any case, I, I did also want to point out that, uh, so, so 
basically the next part of this is that uh Severian and Jonas are captured. Uh and they're taken uh what is it? Basically, uh, Jonas goes out uh, b- because one of the things that we forgot to mention is that uh, one of the man apes uh, brings a, a, its little stump of a hand, like it's the the hand that Severian cut off of it, uh, brings it forth and offers its mace as sort of like a payment when he's holding out the claw, and basically he heals the stump over, and he takes the claw in payment or in trade. And then he gives it to Jonas, and when they look at it, the head of the mace is pounded gold. Mm. Uh, so Jonas goes out and starts asking around about, you know, like, well, you know, uh, could I sell this? Uh, you know, where I'm sure there's a jeweler still at the Saltus Fair, and uh, that's what it seems to be what brings uh brings the the, the cultilari surrounding Vodalus's attention to him and therefore to Severian. Um so they're they're basically you know trussed up they're put on a uh I'm gonna try to gonna try to say this Baluchather, uh which is actually uh if if you look it up it's also known as a Paraceratherium uh, it's basically the largest land mammal that existed. Uh, it was a hornless, gigantic rhinoceros ancestor. Hmm. Um, and so um, on the journey out to uh, where Vodalus is hiding out, uh, we get a a description that seems to be recontextualizing some of the areas around Saltus and therefore what uh, uh, Severian sort of like galloped through, uh, in a blur, uh, regarding the mines. So it says that, um, when I had ridden on the false errand of Agia's letter, I had galloped past more of these, though my route had lain chiefly through the forest at its nearest approach to the village. Now we went among the heaps of tailings where there was no path. Here, in addition to much rubble, the miners had cast all they had brought forth from the buried past that might otherwise have defamed their village and occupation. Everything foul lay in tumbled heaps ten times and more the height of the Belucifer's lofty back uh, obscene statues, canted and crumbling, and human bones to which strips of dry flesh and hanks of hair still clung, and then and with them ten thousand men and women, <laughs> those who, in seeking a private resurrection, had rendered their corpses forever imperishable, lay here like drunkards after their debauch, their crystal sarcophagi broken, their limbs relaxed and grotesque disarray, their clothing rotting, rotted or rotting, and their eyes blindly fixed upon the sky. So uh, this seems like an industrial fucking wasteland to me. <laughs> I really like the order in which that is introduced. Just to call it, you know, yes. there were gross statues, there were bones, there was 10,000 whole corpses in, <laughs> in kind of suspended animation just lying around in big piles. Uh, I, I feel like if I were to order that list, I would do it at the in, in the in the reverse direction. <laughs> the opposite. <laughs> yes, opposite. <laughs> I, would, I would probably but, but- open with the piles of corpses. <laughs> <laughs> but also, so, so Kurt, you, you say that and, and yes, that would be the thing that would like, that's the, the, as they call it in, in writing, you know, the, the details that kick you in the eyes, right? Uh, yes. So, uh, you, you'd put the corpses first, but really 
uh, he is again doing that thing again, right? Where he's putting certain things in relation to each other so that you make the connections, right? Because they're going out of a place where um, basically mining is apparently just digging up like the fucking buildings and ancient, like the, like digging up like old VCRs out of the past. And it's like, ah, I don't, I don't know what that is. Fuck it. Uh, but, but if we're going towards Vodalus, who apparently uh, digs up graves in order to eat, because we've gotten this from from like Master Oltan, uh, it's it's been mentioned a couple times that the the analeptic Alzabo uh, made out of the gland at the base of the skull of the Alzabo creature. Um, basically, you can eat the flesh of the recently dead and gain their memories. So, in a sense, you're getting physical past, right? Where you're digging up from minds, you know, the physical remnants of the past mm. versus Vodalus and his cultulari who are actually digging into the memories, the ephemeral past. Mm. So that is, I feel like that's the order that he's going for here, right? He's mm. making sure that you understand that Vodalus isn't really like Vodalus is a big sort of make earth great again, uh, kind of guy, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, he, he's, he, his entire purpose is to, we, we need to recapture the power that we once had and return to the stars. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's interesting because it, it is that yes, but it's also, it's also not just that, which, which is that, um, the, the current autark is part of a like sclerotic decaying kind of frozen in in amber you might say regime where mm -hmm. it's not even just that it's not even just like reclaiming anything necessarily that's part of it it's also like restarting the process of of um uh, progress basically of, mm -hmm. of like well you know we're, we're just kind of languishing here and and Vodalus explicitly says like we're not less wise we are more wise we've learned more but we don't do anything with it. We have no power. And at this point, also, interestingly, uh, Vodalus also mentions his masters, um, mm -hmm. which I thought was very interesting. And we don't know who that who that might be. And there's also been this pall hanging over the whole story so far that it seems possibly as if Earth is subjugated somehow. Um, but it's not clear if so, how, and by whom. And mm -hmm. so there's might be like there must might almost be like a revolutionary tendency. Like, like if the autark is essentially like a puppet regime of some other power in the universe, um, because Vodalus, I think mentions, you know, there was a time when we traveled space under our own power on our own mm -hmm. ships, which sounds very much like, well, who's on whose ships do you now travel? Um, which suggests to me that somebody else has the power. Now it's not that it's not just that, it's not just that the autark is 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 the power and Vodalus doesn't like that. It's that it seems to imply that it's subjugated under someone else is mm. the impression I'm getting anyway. Well, I mean, and and also let's not forget, like to your point, um, for as long as anyone remembers, uh, Nessus and the autark has been at war with the Askins, right? 
which you know puts in mind uh you know a lot of you know uh what is it uh you know oceania has always been <laughs> at war with eurasia or whatever hmm. right so so it, yeah i think it's just simply a a men a, a a type of situation where yes power has sort of stagnated it's it, there, there's no movement um but at the same time, like there, there is a a belief that the only way that things will change is through the new sun, which is sort of like a weird prophecy. Um, but also, like, is photoless? Can someone, you know, can someone actually make themselves the new sun? Um, I don't, I don't know. I mean, that I think that that's sort of like uh, what I suppose photoless thinks, right? That he can position himself as the new son or that he only believes that the new son is a um, sort of a, a cynical ploy. And it's sort of like uh, something that's not real, but uh, he could make it real if he were to position himself and depose the autark. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so uh, in any case, I, I, I just find it really fascinating the way that that, journey is described and uh and and sort of the way it's ordered as well like like we've mentioned um so we we end out with uh finally uh a great reunion takes place where severian finally claps eyes once again on thea uh i do want to say here that um Severian is very frank about this. He's, he says, it, it was with Thea that I had first fallen in love, worshipping her because she belonged to the man I had saved. Thecla I had loved in the beginning because she recalled Thea. Now, as autumn dies and winter and spring and summer comes again, the end of the year as it is its beginning, I loved Thea once more because she recalled Thecla. And again, I, I feel like um, this is one of these things where... Uh, it brought to mind, in my mind, it brought to mind the um, that line from. Uh, first off, it brings to mind the the mirrors of Father Anir, right? Uh, where where an image is reflected back and forth so many times that the original object being reflected might be lost. Mm. Uh, but and behind that, there's also a repudiation of the um, the wonderful line from Tlon Ukbar and Orbius Tertius uh, by Borges, where it says mirrors and copulation are abominable because they increase the number of men, because rather than finding it abominable, Severian's love is only magnified. Hmm. So anyway, I, I, I just find um, th this chapter feels like a bit like um, setting up the <laughs> setting up what's going to happen next. Right. Uh, yeah. Yes. There, there's there's a couple of instances here where I did find it really funny that um, that Thea uses the line about like uh, the, the line that is basically, you know, yesterday's history, tomorrow's a mystery, today's <laughs> a gift of God, uh, because she says that they went to Red Verthandi and she said uh, she gave us the present, which is also a gift, uh, which you know I don't know how this your language would uh, support <laughs> these contradictions. And I, I just laughed out loud thinking about Thea being the type of person who'd hang up like live, laugh, love on one of the giant <laughs> <laughs> can, can i can i relate something that i enjoyed very much in this chapter which Go is um 
uh, if you recall some some number of uh, episodes ago, uh, when Severian visited uh, the library, the archive, um, he took mm-hmm. I forget if it was three or four books, and I was puzzling over what they are. And one of them was this this brown book that that contained all the answers to the universe. Um, and it comes up again here, uh, you know, and mm-hmm. he's discussing it with uh, Thea, I think. And um, uh, Severian recalls, when I first carried it to Thecla, I supposed it was intended for children or for adults who enjoyed childish things. Uh, and, and so we find out now that the brown book is, uh, is a young adult novel of some kind uh, that Severian took out of life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Young adult has survived to the far future. We're doomed. Uh, <laughs> So, uh, sorry, one- sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> um, so, uh, I did want to point out that, uh, there is a line that I was puzzling over because I was like, wait, is that what I think it is? Because, uh, Thea is talking about, um, talking about, uh, Thecla and she, how she misses the court. And, uh, she, she confides in Severian after they've been sent off, they've been sent off to like hang out until the feast that evening. Um, uh, and, uh, basically she, she comes out to where they're sort of like hiding their little cops or, or whatever it is, uh, under their particular tree. Uh, and, uh, she's talking about missing the court and she says, hearing about those people in that business of muffling her with a tapestry, muff her being Thecla. That's so very characteristic calls up the reasons I left it. And so tapestry muffling. I just rem- like the connection I made was like of the the guy that was they found dead outside the cafe that was strangled with a lambrequin lambrequin, which is basically a, a piece of mantle uh, like a piece of cloth basically. So I I connected it to Cleopatra. Um, oh, interesting! Because there's a story uh, about Cleopatra um, where uh, when when she wanted to meet Caesar. Um, t- uh, when, um, and she, she knew that, uh, Ptolemy would, would have stopped her from going to meet him. She had herself, uh, wrapped up in, in, in a big carpet and, and carried out to see Caesar, uh, by, by servants. And that's, that's what it brought mm. to mind, um, for, okay, for me. Okay. Okay. That might be, that might be more along the lines of what Wolf meant by it then. Because honestly, like, yeah, I, Wolf being a, a, a big sort of uh, almost a, a big marble bust type of guy, <laughs> uh, I, I don't doubt that that's probably the reference he was going for than, uh, than my weird <laughs> thing. Wait, was are the court? Did the court just murder some guy and leave him at a cafe? What the fuck? <laughs> so, so can I, we, we still haven't actually found out what happened to Dorcas, have we? It really it, it hasn't been said explicitly. No. Although Jonas mentions like, oh, you've got one of your things that you're one of your goals is you need to get Dorcas back, and it's like, well, what happened well, to Dorcas? Well, also Jonas says it only because he, it gives him an opportunity to be like, yeah, and Jolenta, <laughs> and then yeah. his his robot head turns into like a wolf's Awuga, a, a yeah. robot wolf's mm-hmm. head, you know. Um, but yeah, like, uh, basically, uh, Jonas is like fixated on Jolenta. He's only like maybe seen her like for a couple minutes when they were walking alongside each other. Um, perhaps he too is oppressed by memory. 
Mm-hmm. Well, maybe. Uh, yeah. Who knows? Maybe, maybe his, uh, his, his memory banks just fill up with Jolenta every time he <laughs> tries to do anything. Um, can, uh, I, can I share uh, my favorite, one of my favorite little bits in, in this section of chapters? Um, so we talked about, uh, it, it's basically Severin, like future Severin writing this book going very much, uh, in a Garth, uh, Marenghi, uh, mode where he, uh, so he was talking about, um, master Gerlos and, and the, the, uh, iron phallus as he called it. And later on he's describing about, you know, swinging his sword around. He says, and I swung my own iron phallus. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, I, I, I did like. Yes. I did like that. Yes. It, there, there are some writers who use subtext. I think they're cowards. <laughs> yes, exactly right. <laughs> he is correct. And uh, and in, in, in that moment, uh, Severian was exhibiting his big dick energy. <laughs> yes, <laughs> by swinging his sword around. Yes, that's right. Um, but yeah. Anyway, yeah, yeah. I I I I, I did love that because <laughs> it's great. All right. Um, I suppose we should probably wrap it up, right? Uh, any, I guess, any last thoughts, tidbits, dirty limericks? Hmm. There once was a man in Saltis. <laughs> he insulted you? What the fuck? <laughs> uh, I, will, I know when the episodes are over, by the way you pitch your voice, Carlo. Oh, there you go. <laughs> like, seriously, when we get the end, you're like, all right. I'm like, yep, that's it. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we got to the end of the episodes, unless somebody has something really, uh, really sharp to say. I, I, I oh, suppose we're done. You're not I a tyrant. All, all <laughs> I'm that not I the have... autark of this podcast. <laughs> all that I have to say is that I would happily read chapter after chapter after chapter of Severian exploring an underground city and fighting man-apes. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's all that I'll say. Well, you know what, Kurt? Uh, that That's why I have uh, Elden Ring. Uh, I can go <laughs> I can go explore Noxtella, the Lake of Rot, and all that good stuff. Uh, the, the, just to be clear, folks, I am not, we are not sponsored by Bandai Namco. Sorry. Mm-hmm. All right. But anyway, uh, I, I do want to thank all of you for continuing on this journey, uh, albeit one of memory that oppresses us all Uh, and I thank everyone for listening in I suppose we'll catch you all next time here on Podside